and welcome to the Betches Sub Podcast. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And for those of you who are just tuning in, the Betches Sub Podcast is your weekly rundown of all the crazy shit that's happened in the news, explained by your two funniest friends, which is us. Uh, today we are talking about the Oscars. Of course, we're talking about Venezuela. Oh my gosh, we're talking about Tucker Carlson getting fully owned on television in such a wonderful way. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about the campaign staffer who's doing the Trump campaign. Wow, let's get into it. Betches Media presents. I like beer. I don't know if you do. Okay. you like beer, Senator, or not? Uh, my party is going bat crazy. Ah! You're the pop- it- Alternative facts. Oh, goodness. The Betches Sup Podcast. America! And we're back. Wow. Yes. Wow. Did you watch the Oscars last night? I did. Did you? I did. Yeah. Is that what's getting you through? That is what is getting me through. Believe it or not. I thought about you a lot during the Oscars yeah. because it was Lady Gaga's big day and yeah. by extension, your big day. I thank you. Yes. <laughs> um, I was did not receive as many um, congratulatory texts as I was expecting. <laughs> However, I am satisfied with what you just said. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I love love award shows however I'm an award show person yeah, too I, I am kind of happy the season is over yes and um, I am happy that Lady Gaga is getting the attention that she deserves mm-hmm. but you know I mean people love to hate her at the same time so I'm scared people are going to hate her again in six months so I'm just reveling in this moment I so I had not seen Star is Born mm-hmm. until this weekend because uh, I had just like wasn't seeing it in theaters and then I was trying to rent it blah, blah blah finally found a way to rent it watched it and I really thought her performance was wonderful wow I, controversial <laughs> like no, I feel I know but like I felt I felt like I went into it knowing that she was going to be good in it but yes. thinking that she was just going to be being herself yeah well so like I remember watching it the, for, for the first time I saw it three times in theaters mm-hmm. um and the first time I was like maybe like halfway towards the end i cried three times the first time mm-hmm. i watched it and i cried consecutively the other two times at different parts but i cried because i was just watching the movie and then i was like i remembered i was watching lady gaga and i was like oh my god i'm so proud of her <laughs> <laughs> she really like, she transformed she was so natural she was wonderful her chemistry chemistry with bradley cooper was great also their performance oh last night amazing very sexual yeah very sexual so much sexual I was energy ru- i was worried bradley was gonna fuck it up for gaga yeah and he did not i well, I was like, I was like, you guys know that Bradley Cooper's wife is like here, right? <laughs> like she's in the audience. <laughs> you guys know that, right? And there was also one part when Gaga just like, she does the raw, raw part and she yeah. just like really goes hard on the chorus uh-huh. where Bradley Cooper, he was getting up to sit next to her on the piano, but I thought he was just leaving the stage <laughs> because I thought he was like, it's inappropriate for me to be here. Yeah. <laughs> she's so good. And like why I'm, I had to like learn to play the guitar for this movie. Yeah. Like, I need to leave. I thought he was just exiting the stage and that it was 100% appropriate for him to do so. The lighting made them seem like Trump orange, though. That was my only qualm with the performance. Yeah, but wow, the chemistry. Yeah. Wow. It was a big night for a few films. Roma won a bunch of shit. Yes, which I have not seen Roma. I I loved it. I also, uh, I loved Green Book, which won Best Picture. But there is controversy around Green Book because people are saying um, basically... The out director of culture and entertainment, Travel Anderson, called Green Book the white savior feel good movie of award season and mm-hmm. then compared it to like Driving Miss Daisy or The Help in his review. And also, the brother of the guy Mahershala Ali plays mm-hmm. said it called it a symphony of lies. Oh, God. <laughs> Which, but like the guy who, the, like Viggo Mortensen's character, his son wrote the script. Mm hmm. 
so it's like kind of controversial and it was like three white dudes but like i really enjoyed it i thought it was like a really sweet story between like a friendship like it reminded me of our conversation we had with uh, Stephen Ng um, in the yes. our bonus episode podcast that came over the past weekend, how men struggle to have like intimate relationships mm-hmm. with their friends. And I thought it was a really like nice portrayal of men with intimacy. You know what I mean? And it yeah. was like sexual or non-sexual. So I haven't seen Green Book, so I can't say yeah. um, one way or another, but I do get the idea of like, being tired of like movies about black history for white people, which I get, but also like maybe sometimes white people need those movies to like see them and like get what's happening. So I can't say until I've seen green. And I saw the movie and I don't, I didn't, it didn't really feel like savior because it was like Viggo Mortensen's character learning to accept like a, a black man as mm-hmm. like a person and with like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he wasn't like, and Mahershal Ali, like acceptance of himself character. Yes. Know. But what I also found interesting is that three of the four, like best acting winners mm-hmm. were straight people playing gay people or queer people. Oh, that is true. Like Rami right. Malik, Cause Rami Malik, Olivia, Olivia Coleman for the favorite and Mahershal Ali for, Green oh, book. is he queer? Yeah, there's that? a scene so where he like that. gets arrested for having sex with a man in a YMCA. Wow, I did yeah. so I didn't even realize that there was that element. I think it's also interesting when we look at three of the Best Picture nominees were like we had Black Panther, we have Green Book, and we have mm. Black Klansman. And I imagine Black Panther and Black Klansman were more of what the African American community has been like clamoring for to see. Yeah, so. I, it's interesting to look at all of them in that way. Spike Lee apparently walked out when Green... Or t- attempted to walk out when Green Book won and they made him go back to his seat. <sighs> okay. So we should... We, we can get into some Spike Lee, though. Oh, yeah. Because he was really in rare form last night. So, and now the president's all pissed off. But, like, Spike... So it was amazing because Spike Lee won his first Oscar ever. That's which is crazy. crazy. That's crazy. To think about because Spike Lee is Spike Lee. Yeah, like... Re- that was shocking to me that he hasn't won for anything else but yeah and so we so he won for i believe it was best original screenplay mm-hmm. for black Klansman. um and we have a clip from his uh acceptance speech before the world tonight i give praise our ancestors who built this country and was today along with the genocide of his native people the 2020 presidential election is around the corner Let's all mobilize. Let's all be on the right side of history. Make the, ro- make the moral choice between love versus hate. Let's do the right thing. <laughs> you know I had to get that in there. First of all, I love that he said do the right thing because he's like, remember do the right thing and I should probably have an Oscar for that, I but probably, okay. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have won Best Original Screenplay <laughs> Best Director, whatever, for that, but okay. I feel like that's the movie that like every film student has seen multiple times, film school yeah. student. That movie, I mean, that movie's amazing but, if you haven't um, seen Do the Right Thing. This speech caught the attention of our dear leader, mm-hmm. President Donald J. Trump, um, and he tweeted, be nice if Spike Lee could read his notes or better yet, have to use notes at all when doing his racist hit on your president who has done more for African-Americans, criminal justice reform, lowest unemployment numbers in history, tax cuts, etc., than almost any other prez. 
There's so much that's funny about this. Number one, it's hilarious for Donald Trump to make fun of anyone for being like not being up on their notes when he has to rail Adderall just to read a television. Yeah, like what like what is that what is that like he either just like rambles and says nonsense or he reads off a teleprompter. Like it doesn't make any sense. That the part doesn't yeah, make sense. Yeah. Like also people read notes for their acceptance speeches all the time. Yeah. He also didn't say anything about, he mentioned the president by name. I don't yeah. know how it was a racist hit on his president. It's racist just because Spike Lee said it. And he's black. Yeah. Interesting. That's, that's makes it racist in Trump's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you think like he's about to meet with, the leader of North Korea that maybe he'd be more focused on that. Yeah. Um, no, he's watching the also, Oscars. He's apparently we're in the midst of a national emergency. Yeah. I thought there was an emergency, um, but which, he's like watching the Oscars. Yeah. Anyways, that's, that's what's going on with the Oscars. I'm so happy Lady Gaga won best original song. Yes. It's now the most awarded song ever. in history. It, I mean, that song just fires on all cylinders. That really song does. rocks. <laughs> and now for the rest of the podcast, we will just be playing shallow on loop. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, Elise, what's getting you through the week in Trump's America? Okay. So this is a little, just a little thing that happened last week, but I, I didn't get a chance to like engage with this news until this week. And wow, I loved it. So um, a couple weeks ago, this, there was this man who went to Davos, the big mm-hmm. like, billionaire summit on climate change in Davos. And he went viral because his name is Rutger Bregman and he is a Dutch historian. And basically he went viral by being like getting on stage at Davos and being like, well, we're talking about all these problems, but the real problem is, first of all, half of you guys flew here on private jets. (laughs) And second of all, none of you are paying taxes. And so like, that's like, how can any country like combat their issues when the richest like aren't paying their fair share? So he does this. Then, because he's dunking on liberal billionaires, Tucker Carlson, dumbest man in the world, (laughs) invites this guy to come on. I don't know what the Tucker Carlson show is even called. I I think it's just called the Tucker Carlson show. Yeah, okay. So he invites him to come on the Tucker Carlson show. And I guess he thinks that he and this guy are going to chum it up about how dumb liberal billionaires are. Yeah. Um, We're about to play, play a clip, but... It basically leading up to the clip, um, he's like shading Tucker Carlson the yes. entire time. He like, he's like, well, you're part of the problem, Mr. Carlson. You're a millionaire funded by billionaires, and you're okay with the status quo. Yeah, and at one point he's like, you invited me here because I spoke truth to power at Davos, and that's what I'm going to do here on your show. Yeah, and luckily. Someone clearly on this guy's team was filming the entire thing yeah. as it was happening because Tucker Carlson did not air this. So let's just play the clip where Tucker Carlson finally has enough and kind of just flips out on this guy. You jumped the bandwagon. You're all like, oh, I'm against the globalist elite, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's not very convincing, to be honest. Why don't you go yourself, you tiny brain? And I hope this gets picked up because you're a moron. I tried to give you a hearing, but you were too Uh, You can't handle the criticism, can you? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, first of all, if you watch the whole clip, you will come away from it being like, I want to fuck Ron Bregman or whatever the fuck is. Apparently he has some controversial statements about racism and where he's from. Oh, but that's like one of those that's like one of those situations like, oh, we have this we have this new series coming out with Marissa Cabas, who is like a uh, she worked with like uh, Crush the Midterms. Crush the Midterms. And she she explains it more in detail in that bonus episode that you will soon hear. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to 
butcher what she says but yeah apparently he's a little problematic okay well i will say that he came off as sexy in the clip (laughs) all i can speak to is the clip and at the end of the clip i was like is he single am i single now like what's happening (laughs) so i just also love that tucker carlson can't even like he actually can't mount a defense so he just calls him annoying yeah (laughs) he's like you're too annoying to be on the show Yeah, he's like he wasn't even like you're factually incorrect he's like what you're saying is bothering me because it's the truth and the truth hurts it just um it made me go back and reflect on the john stewart clip of old where he goes on crossfire and uh but this is way back in the day. John Stewart went on Crossfire, which was Tucker Carlson's original mm-hmm. contribution to our country. Um, and John Stewart just goes in on them, and he's like, "Your show is bad for America. What you guys do is terrible." And then he's like, he tells he goes to Tucker Carlson, "You're a 35 year old man, and you're wearing a bow tie. <laughs> what are you doing?" And he goes, "And I'm not saying you're not smart. Those are hard to tie. <laughs> it's, it's just so good." Oh, so this clip made me go revisit that clip. Mm-hmm. And I just found that a sexual fetish for me, I guess, is watching dudes dunk on Tucker Carlson. Yeah. I come away from it and I'm like, oh my gosh, where's my boyfriend? I know. (laughs) God, I miss Jon Stewart. I know. I know. Um, All right, Brian. Well, let's get into the news and talk about Venezuela. But first, we got to go to a quick break. Today's episode of The Betches Sup is brought to you by Care-of. Care-of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. Care-of helps you build a vitamin routine that's made just for you and for your health goals. Care-of's fun online quiz asks you about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle choices and takes only five minutes to find out your personal scientifically backed vitamin and supplement recommendations. Care-of delivers daily vitamin and supplement packs customized to your recommendations to promote personal health and wellness. Vegan and vegetarian supplement options are also available to match your dietary needs, and you can track your progress with the Care-of app and earn rewards when you remember to take your vitamins. And these subscriptions go right to your door. My wow. goodness. I always forget to take my vitamins, but Me if too. I got a reward, mm-hmm. I would be taking my vitamins. Me too. Yeah. Um, so you can take advantage of this month's special offer for 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Go to takecareof.com and enter promo code SUP. That's careof.com and promo code SUP to get your vitamins. Can't wait to get my vitamins. I'm going to be so healthy. Me too. So that's what's getting us through the week. Should we get into the news? Yeah, let's get into the main news. Um, This has been an ongoing conflict for a while. Yeah, we actually have a really awesome bonus episode with comedian Joanna Hausman Mm -hmm. kind of giving some background on this issue, but we're going to talk about Venezuela today. Yeah, so over the weekend, there were some heavy clashes on the border Um, between opposition protesters and forces loyal to Maduro, um, who's the current leader. I mean, it's complicated. It's complicated. Um, And and he's backed by the military. Um, This this clash left four dead since Friday, and then it continued into Sunday. Today saw a little bit of rest. Yeah. Um, Um, And for anyone who needs kind of a background, like so quick, our our episode with Joanna is like more in-depth, but basically, Nicolas Maduro is... A dictator. He's been in charge of Venezuela for a while now. He held what is widely considered by the international community at large to be, and Venezuelans, to be a sham election. There's now an opposition leader named Juan Guaido who declared himself the interim president, which is like 
by Venezuela's actual constitution, what would happen before mm-hmm. a real, and he's saying there should be new elections. Maduro does not want that to happen. And now, and uh, the backdrop of all of this is that Venezuela has been in economic turmoil for years. They do not have food. They do not have basic medicine. Inflation is insane. There's been a massive refugee crisis as just people are fleeing yeah. Venezuela and mass. Yeah. Since uh, around 2015, 1.9 million people have fled the country and inflation has reached over 60,000%, while the civilian death toll is unknown. So the U.S. and over 50 other countries have now publicly supported Guaido as the interim president. So this is just like something that's happening across the international community. It's not just like Trump Mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. Um, it's like this is one of those things where like recognizing Guaido and this is a point that I saw Joanna make um, recognizing Guaido is something that we might even have seen if God willing Hillary Clinton had become president. Yeah. Like this is a move that actually we would probably see from even a normal administration. Yeah. But what's happening now is th- it seems like ramp we're ramping up talks for mil- military, military intervention. intervention. I also wanted to add that over the weekend, some of the, uh, they were trying to get supply, like uh, humanitarian aid supplies. And instead of reaching the v- Venezuelans in needs, they had been burned after crossing from Colombia because Maduro saw the aid as an under was undermining his authority. Um, he declared that his country was not a beggar and did not need it. Uh, government forces and allied groups backed up that message with violence, bringing condemnation from the United Nations on Sunday. And so now yeah. Mike Pence is in Colombia where he plans to meet with Juan Guaido and intends to announce concrete steps to further pressure Madero's government. Really so. sending in the A team. Yeah. We've got Mike <laughs> Pence, who I'm absolutely sure washes his hands anytime he hears Spanish. Yeah. Um, like in there. It's just so complicated. Yeah. Because Maduro is a dictator. Is a dictator. And the fact that he's not letting aid into his country yeah. when they do not have food and medicine and people are suffering and dying is fucked up. I mean, he Maduro has mis like severely mismanaged the economy in Venezuela and the human rights abuses. However, it's this there's this idea of, you know, like obviously the Venezuelans should get all the aid that they need. And they should be able to democratically elect a government if that's what they want. Yes, but if we're imposing sanctions, we need to make sure that... Because a lot of the time when the United States imposed sanctions, like, for example, when we did to Iraq during like the confrontation mm-hmm. between Iraq and Kuwait during the H.W. Bush, the first Bush, it led to the people dying. Well, and that's something that we, I talked a lot about in our Cuba episode with the embargo is like a lot of times these sanctions, the government stays in power but the people suffer uh-huh. but then again it's like i would rather have us do economic intervention than military yes. intervention but you know there's also this cons- like group of people who are starting to say that you know us bringing aid to colombia is also us bringing our military there because how else is the aid getting there and it's interesting because we don't really face a military threat from venezuela and so it's like, why is this specific conflict so upsetting to us? I mean, there's like a slave trade going on in Libya. There are dictators all around the world suppressing their, suppressing their people, one of which the president is meeting with today. 
And so like, what is this major difference? And I mean, it's just like, it seems like we've been wanting to, we've been waiting for provocation to enter this Venezuela conversation for a while. Venezuela does have a lot of oil that's Mm -hmm. been there. That's been what, that's what propped up the economy in a major way um, under Chavez, who was sort of Maduro's mentor. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that money because of these sanctions and just because you can't have an economy that's based on only having one thing like that, a lot of that has fallen apart. Also, they're communists. Yeah. You know, they're a socialist government. So we have this like ideological thing and especially where Trump is like ramping up sort of like the anti-socialist like rhetoric ahead of the 2020 election. Like that seems to be one of the routes he's going to get involved in an anti-socialist conflict. Mm -hmm. It seems politically advantageous to them. I mean, there was, remember like Bolton had that note on his pad, 5,000 troops to Columbia was months ago. And it's just uh, the history of the U S intervening in Latin America is a dark and messy history that has led to a lot of suffering. So it's just anytime we're thinking about going, I mean, anytime we're thinking about going into a country and changing their government from the outside, (coughs) there's just a lot that goes along with that, that I'm trying, I'm, I'm honestly trying to think of a time where, it worked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm actually, maybe there is, and I'm, it's not coming to me, but so, I'm, I'm trying to think of a time where we have gone into a country, overthrown their government, put in a new government and had that like help them. Yeah, I know. So the former secretary of the, hum- uh, a former secretary of the uh, UN human rights council and an expert in international law, Alfred de Zayas um, he just finished his term last March, and he says he's criticizing the U.S. for engaging in economic warfare, warfare against Venezuela, which he said is hurting the economy and killing Venezuelans. He is. He also told um, the Independent that sanctions kill, and added that they f- fall heavily most on the poorest people in society, demonstrate demonstrably cause death through food and medicine shortages, lead to violations of human rights, and are aimed at coercing economic change in a sister democracy. He is the first UN official to visit and report from Venezuela in 21 years. His findings are based on his late 2017 mission to the country and interviews with 12 Venezuelan government ministers, opposition politicians, 35 NGOs working in the country, academics, church officials, activists, chambers of commerce, and regional UN agencies. So it seems like he's doing his homework. Yeah. The United Nations, the International Committee of the Red Cross, both have which said this isn't actually humanitarian aid because it's being politicized and both have declined to participate in what amounts to a U.S. propaganda stunt. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's just such a complicated thing to think about because on the one hand, we do have people who are starving, who don't have medicine, who the 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 opposition like forces in Venezuela have been desperately trying to basically get the military to flip on mm-hmm. Maduro. And that's kind of like been the thing everyone's been focusing on is trying to get the military to defect from Maduro. But it really doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So it's like now we're faced with this question of like, how do you ethically help the Venezuelans in a way that doesn't yeah. destroy them well, also, further? Also us putting a deadline on the, like we, we give them a deadline of Saturday being like, you need to accept the aid by then or else. And mm-hmm. now we, they did not accept this yeah. deadline. 
And now it's like, now what do we do? Um, I sh- the Venezuelan foreign minister also spoke with the, the UN last week, and he said the cost of this blockade is over $30 billion, and they are sending so-called humanitarian aid for $20 million. Can I just pull up a quote from Venezuela... Uh, Maduro's information minister that I just found to be funny. Yeah. Um, Information minister Jorge Rodriguez during a news conference on Sunday gloated about the opposition's failure to bring in aid and called Guaido a puppet and a used condom, which I just, I've never thought to call someone a used condom. And I think that that's, I'm, that's one of those things that I feel like packs a major punch when it's said like in Spanish. Like that might be like more of <laughs> like an insult that's used like if he said it in Espanol. Mm-hmm. But it's very <laughs> funny to read it translated into English. And I am going to start being like, you're a puppet in a used condom to people <laughs> who cross me. Um, uh, yeah. So like Elise was saying before, though, we don't have a great history of, you know, these Going into Central America or Southern Southern America yeah. and trying to install our own governments there. Um, we have history of it. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, we actually have some audio. So the guy who is uh, Trump's appointee as special envoy to Venezuela, Venezuela is this guy, Elliot Abrams. And so Elliot Abrams is a veteran, a veteran diplomat who served in the Reagan and George W. Bush administrations. And he's quite a controversial figure. In, 19, 19, in 1991, he pled guilty to withholding crucial information about the Iran-Contra affair from Congress. Um, H.W. then pardoned him for his crimes. And so he was being interviewed um, by the, I believe, the House Intelligence Committee. Yeah, I think that's correct. Um, and Representative Elon Omar was questioning him. And we're going to play a quick clip from that. Mr. Adams, in 1991, you pleaded guilty to two counts of withholding information from Congress regarding your involvement in the Iran Kortra affair, for which you were later barred by President George H.W. Bush. I fail to understand uh, why members of this committee or the American people should find any testimony that you give uh, today to be truthful. If I can respond to that, uh, um, it wasn't a question. <laughs> I, On an Febu- that was it not. Was that was attack. not a question. That was. Sure the, I. I reserve the right I'm to sorry. my time. It is not. It is not right. That was Members not a question. Can attack On February eighth, who is not permitted to reply. That. That was not a question. Thank you for your participation. <laughs> um, Omar, coming back yeah. strong, reminding us why we do need her. So just like a quick refresher, during the Cold War, America frequently intervened in Latin American affairs to check political movements that Washington deemed to be too friendly and supported by the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And this came around in different ways, ranging from policies, foreign aid to and to deeply controversial uh, policies like the CIA support for military coups against elected leaders. Yes. And there's, I mean, that history is so deep and like so much suffering came out of many of those conflicts. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's hard to even go through all of them, but like the specific uh, thing she was talking about when he lied to Congress is that, um, there was a scheme within the Reagan administration, Lee, uh, Reagan yes. administration. They covertly sold arms to Iran, 
violating a U.S. arms embargo on the country, and then funneled the money from that sale to Nicaragua's right-wing Contra rebels who were fighting the left-wing like government led by Daniel Ortega. And this resulted in death squads. Yes, a vicious civil war and horrible, mm-hmm. horrible, horrible suffering. And that's kind of, again, what we keep coming back to is like, I have no doubt that if we had President Hillary Clinton, President Bernie Sanders, yeah. whoever, that they would be in talk, like they would have recognized Guaido and they would be in talks about what's going on with this situation. What's scary is that, and and what this kind of shows is when you have a government like the Trump administration that barely has for barely even has a staffed State Department yeah. that has very obvious motives and ulterior agendas like I wouldn't put it past President Trump to like get involved in an armed conflict in Venezuela because he thinks it'll help him in 2020 yeah that's already happening because one of the really big constituencies for ousting Maduro is in Florida it's the Hispanic population in Florida it's a lot of Cuban Americans it's a lot of Venezuelan Americans who have come to the United States and so now this Venezuela issue is becoming a 2020 issue, mm-hmm. which I think is really dangerous. Yeah. Really, really dangerous. It's just also like, I feel like a lot of the time, you know, just because both parties would do this doesn't mean it's right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like, especially with like, you know, the Clintons, they have like an, they have a history of using humanitarian aid as a justification to impose their own ideas. Yes. Because, you know, you look at the earthquake in Haiti in 2010, they brought in like tens of billions of dollars in like private contracts and then like Halliburton ended up buying them. It's like all, and then they helped try and install their own government. It's like, it's just, it's just messy. Well, money is political, you know, for us to send them a bunch of money that is political. And I'm not even saying that we shouldn't send them a bunch of money. It's just, how do we do that? ethically in a way that doesn't make things worse for the Venezuelan people it's, who are yeah, suffering. We should be like trying to coordinate with the UN and Maduro's government because to get aid to these people. And that and I feel like that should be like our first priority is like to get aid and instead of like using it as political stunts like it seems to be happening. Well and I mean Maduro also could put his shit aside and be like, you know what, my people are starving. Yeah. But <laughs> very <laughs> so true. here's another thing just going back to like the Florida situation. Uh-huh. So like Trump gave a stump speech already in Florida where he was like really hard on Venezuela, basically saying like all options are on the table, which is like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge at military intervention. And one of the people who's been super involved in all these talks is none other than Florida Senator Marco Rubio, <laughs> who has finally found a way to be important. And he has jumped on that uh, bandwagon. And this weekend he did something that I, think is fully insane he tweeted pictures of um panama's manuel noriega libya's Muammar Gaddafi, um a romanian dictator basically he t- just tweeted out <laughs> pictures of dictators who have been like arrested and killed like Gaddafi was beaten in the street yeah and it's basically like this could happen to you, Maduro. Did, and I'm is just, there any con? Did he write anything with it, or he just tweeted it's the pictures? Literally just tweeting the pictures. It's so fucking it's weird. It's so weird, and it's so deeply inappropriate. Yeah, if I feel like, like, p- uh, put forward the policies that you believe are actually going to be correct. But and all of his tweets are about Maduro because he's like 
people trying to play yeah literally i'm showing brian right now it's just pictures with no commentary just pictures oh, it's of like before and after pictures. it's a, a before and after picture of Gaddafi. A gr- picture of him bloody Bleeding beaten the in the street after people. Did you see that video? Yeah, I mean that's it's really disturbing. It's really disturbing. Not, Not that he wasn't a terrible exactly. person that probably deserved his fate, but but it's and still. like a picture of Noriega like arrested like it's and it's crazy and it's a really dangerous escalation of the way you're talking like Maduro is clearly a dictator. He's clearly someone who doesn't give a shit about his people. He's clearly someone who only wants to stay in power. And we have a sitting U S Senator tweeting out a picture. That's like, we're going to try to get you beaten and killed in the streets. It's like, that's not who the fuck is that helping? It's also not the way we are supposed to approach these sort of situations. We're supposed to be diplomatic and resort to violence and military action last. I know. And that's the thing. That's That's why it's called diplomacy. And that's why it's like, that's why when we look at the history of our intervention in Latin America, if there's anything that it's taught us, it's like getting involved in these things is extremely complicated. And we have to do it with like ethics and good faith Mm -hmm. and a a laser focus on actually helping the people. And I do not personally feel that that laser focus and like ethical compass is in place right now (laughs) (laughs) that was a really good uh like answer thank you yeah it was very (laughs) political you know what um i was an international relations major and my concentration was latin america so there you go again for the first time i'm using my degree (laughs) right here on the podcast it's amazing um (laughs) so this is something that we're all gonna have to keep an eye on for the foreseeable future yes exactly Um, and it's definitely something where i would again shout out that bonus episode we we did with joanna and just following joanna's feed in general has mm. honestly really helped me to break down a lot of what's going on and what is actually happening it's she has done a really great job on her feed of taking the debate outside of like left and right in the united states and talking about like just Venezuela and like this is what people in Venezuela are talking about and this is how we feel and this is what's going on in Venezuela and she does a really good job of like removing the debate from our own political spectrum and I think it's really helpful so I would put everyone tell everyone to look her up and look up her Mm -hmm. videos because they've been really thoughtful and great yeah also I would just keep an eye out for like making sure there's congressional approval for any action that is taken. Yeah. Because it gets a little worrisome when there isn't. Uh, Yeah. And just again, like making sure that anything that we do when we're going into another country, I've been rewatch, I've been watching um, CNN series on the two thousands and I just watched the Iraq war episode. And it's just like, anytime we're going into a country to try to change their government, that's some dicey shit. Yeah. That's some real dicey shit. And yeah. it le- it led to the longest conflicts. The longest conflicts we've had have been times where we've tried to fucking do that. Yeah. And then... And use false justifications for yeah. war. So and we just need to be careful. We just... Yeah. All we're saying... Propaganda happens everywhere. Yeah. And we... It's, it's a very delicate situation. It needs to be dealt with carefully. And it sucks that it's happening right now under an administration that literally has no... Puts no value on diplomacy. Doesn't mm-hmm. value its State Department. Doesn't even fucking staff its state, state Department. And then the experts that we have are these guys like... Like Abrams, who have a history, have a shady and dicey history, whose whose opinions on foreign 
policy we shouldn't even be listening to because of their past actions. Yeah, but they've pled guilty to lying to Congress. So why should, yes. like what she was saying, we have actually have another clip. Let's see if it, we can wrap it up with this. Yes. That is my question. Will you make sure that human rights are not violated and that we uphold international and human rights? I suppose there is a question in there, and the answer is that the entire thrust of American policy in Venezuela is to support the Venezuelan people's effort to restore democracy to their country. That's our policy. I don't think anybody disputes that. The question I had for you is that the interest, does the interest of the United States include protecting human rights and include protecting people against genocide? That is always the position of the United States. Yeah. Well, I hope that's mm -hmm. true. And (laughs) And it's good to know. And so it's good we have representatives in Congress like Elon Omar who are able to question people like yeah, this. Yeah, and so. who are, I mean, it's it's part of the reason why it was really important to restore a democratic house and to get to actually, because one of the house's main jobs is this oversight. Mm-hmm. And it's good that we finally have oversight actually happening. Yeah. So obviously a really complicated situation in Venezuela um, and we'll keep our eye on it. I mean, personally, I'm confident that Mike Pence is going to fix this by the end of the day. <laughs> um, if he can stay awake during the meeting, Mike uh, Pence will figure out what to do. <laughs> I know. Oh my goodness. Uh, should we go on to one more thing? Yeah. Wow. And what a one more thing it mm-hmm. is. Uh, former campaign, tw- uh, former 2016 Trump campaign staffer, Alva Johnson, told the Washington Post that Trump grabbed her hand and attempted to kiss her at a gathering with supporters before a rally in Tampa, Florida on August 24th, 2016. She's now suing Mm -hmm. the president. She filed a lawsuit in Florida today saying that she experienced racial and gender discrimination while working for the campaign and that she was paid less than white male colleagues and that Trump kissed her. Yeah. I am shocked. I know. Can you believe? That this would be going on at the Trump campaign. I can't believe it. Like, it's really uncharacteristic of him. Wow. That he would be racist and sexist yeah, and she, gross. Yeah. How could we ever... I mean, this is the first I'm hearing of this. <laughs> and so the White House has denied the allegations, obviously. And Sarah Sanders has called it absurd on its face. But, you know, I was thinking back on this... Like, obviously, of all the accusations against him. Yes. Um, But I was thinking about Katie Turr, who's the, uh, who's like a NBC News reporter, correspondent, whatever you want to call her. Um, She described in her book about how Trump kissed her during the campaign because she was covering the Trump campaign before he went on Morning Joe. She wrote in her book, before I know what's happening, his hands are on my shoulders and his lips are on my cheek. My eyes widen and my body froze. And he even said on Morning Joe on that like day after he kissed her, he said, um, but actually, can you hear what happened? She was so great. I just saw her back there. I gave her a big kiss. She was fantastic. Also, so first of all, gross. Second of all, in the freaking pussy grab quote, he says, when I see beautiful women, I can't help myself. I just start kissing them. (laughs) So like, it seems like he's just kissing people. Yeah. It's so fucking it's gross. It's so fucking gross. It's so fucking gross. And I don't want to like diminish that this woman was grossly kissed by him either. That, sh- 
even if you're working on the Trump campaign, no one deserves that. No one that. should be yeah. forcibly kissed by their boss. No one should be racially or gender discriminated against. Even if you're working on the Trump campaign and maybe there were one or two red flags that that might. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just, I was like, we're talking about how gross he is. I'm just like, I love the invention of like HD television mm-hmm. and cameras, but I do not appreciate it when I see pictures of the president. Yeah. And also just this gross mouth. Like he has such a gross, yeah, weird, like, like butthole mouth. Yeah. It's like a little pouty, but like wet at the same time. Yeah. Like, you know, you know that these kisses yeah. are so wet and that's what's yeah. like really grossing me out. Like they're yeah. definitely slobbery his and nasty. His skin is so weird. Yeah. His mouth is probably cold and like the skin around it is like, like sweaty. Mm. I, it's just not like whenever I think about what it would be like to be kissed by Donald Trump, it's just... Like, I need to take the rest of the day off. Yeah. So with that, we have to end the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <Goodbye>. <laughs> uh, guys, until the end of Democracy, I'm Elise Morales. I'm Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Sup Podcast. Betches.